Hi everyone, and welcome to the Power Motor Yacht Podcast, your birth for the best stories in boating. Each week, my colleagues and I will bring you everything from salty stories to thought-provoking trend discussions, as well as interviews with the most interesting characters to ply the sea. Whether you're listening from the boatyard, your slip, or hopefully well underway, we're glad to have you aboard. Good morning, everybody. We're here today with Keith and Carrie Johnson. They are the owners of Miramar. So it's a 53-foot Hawkins yacht, Linwood design, and they actually recently won the Refit Award at the Ocean Reef Club for the Vintage Weekend. So that was a really cool thing to hear about. And we're just going to talk about everything they've gone through this journey with this boat. So Keith, Carrie, how are you guys doing today? Great. Thanks. Doing great. Thank you. Yeah, I'm so glad that you guys could uh, could join me to talk a bit. Um, I have so many questions. I know, Keith, we talked a lot on your yacht in Florida already, but, you know, there's there's so many things that came to mind after. And uh, just, you know, so everybody can kind of, I think, get a get a feel for your guys' journey, you know, as you, as you uh, came to this boat and, and made it what it is. You know, what was your guys' situation before you had the Miramar? Were you guys already both avid boaters? Um, what, was, what were your circumstances like before? Well, it's probably not fair to say that we went from a pontoon boat to this boat. So <laughs> we did have a Carver 36-foot sports sedan uh, for several years that we did a lot of family trips on and a lot of anchoring out. And that boat taught us a lot about what to look for in our next boat. Uh, after that boat, we took some time off uh, and had a pontoon boat actually behind our house, uh, which was great because we live in a shallow water area. So it was a great interim boat while we were looking for our next boat. And uh, that's kind of where we are from a boating perspective. I think we became professional boat shoppers for a while as we looked at every style, every design, trying to figure out what we really wanted out of a boat and a boat that we could travel on. And that brings up a good question, Carrie. So what was it you wanted and what was it that Keith wanted? I wanted it to be fairly quiet. I wanted the engines outside. And I was less concerned about the size, but I wanted functionality in the boat as well so that we could enjoy any guests we had on board, but also make it a boat that was easy to navigate in, inside and on the waterways. Keith, what did you want? I wanted everything, but a good friend of mine said every boat is a compromise, so uh, you had to look to your your top ones, and engines were always a main concern. Electronics, we knew we could replace, Um, and then for me, it was maneuverability and, um, what am I trying to say, the vision from the helm. You know, uh, can you see the boat, all the four corners, uh, making docking a, a much easier situation, a less stressful, hopefully. So those were kind of mine. After that, uh, we just wanted to be on the water. Right, right. And, and, and to clarify, too, Keith, you said you wanted a, a bigger boat, right? You guys were kind of having a battle as to how big the boat should be. You take, take good out. notes. You take good notes. Um, yes. <laughs> we, I was at 48, and we ended up with 53 as a compromise because I got the engines outside. And that's that's true. We, we started out with a conversation of a, a mid-40s boat. And every time we looked at them, the salon seemed compressed more than we wanted. Additionally, we wanted the aft uh, walk around stateroom. Uh, so that made us kind of have to jump into a little bit bigger boat. So and then once again, friends uh, giving us advice was go for the biggest boat you think and add a little bit, because once you get on a boat, they become smaller. So go big as you possibly can go. And that was good advice. Okay, so Keith, you got carry on board by having outboards. Uh, having yeah. engines outside, cockpit outside. Oh, yes. Okay. Most, most boats, you know, are set up with uh, the engines under the salon. Mm-hmm. 
And we, we looked at it. We had friends that have that kind of boat. And we were like always watching the batteries and the oil and the hydraulics and everything coming through your salon. And it was like, yeah, you know, if we can avoid that, that would be great. And that's where the Huckins design, um, which there are others, uh, allowed for the engines to be in the cockpit. So we don't bring any uh, engine oil and components into our boat. They all stay outside in the cockpit. Okay. So then my question is, so you guys, you guys had what you wanted, right? You had your ideas, your visions. How did you go from that into let's let's buy a boat that we need to fix from the ground up? I mean, there, <laughs> was there a moment before that you were like, let's just get a new boat, and then you and then you switched? Like, talk about that for us. Kerry, uh, <laughs> if you'd like to start that, <laughs> um, I think the genesis of that is that again, professional boat shoppers, we saw a lot of boats, and there was always something that we didn't like about it. So it ended up we went to West Palm with a, a gentleman. Uh, and looked at a Huckins. Uh, it was called um, Victory at the time. And we got on board that boat and we both, I think, instantly said, this is a different, unique boat. Now, it wasn't, the layout was slightly different than ours. So we went back and forth on that and said, we're not interested in this layout, but we like the story. We like the boat. And then that became, well, if we can find it, or I should step back and say, we, we said, let's find that boat. We went and looked at several now that we kind of zeroed in on, okay, this is the brand we want. Then, as the story goes, we met or we saw a boat in Connecticut that we liked. The layout, it actually was halfway done in a refit. We thought, what a great opportunity to finish it ourselves. Engines were in that one. Electronics were done. So it was a much smaller refit at that time. So then we got the captain of that boat and started saying, well, I've got boats here, here, here. And we've looked at several Huckinses at different parts of the world or in the United States. And I actually don't know, other than it was maybe a stiff drink, uh, how we got from, you know, <laughs> a boat that's operational to tearing it down to the studs and and basically restarting. But we also knew we weren't ready to leave on our big journey because our goal ultimately is to do the loop or, you know, and do it in stages, if you will. But we had, our son was still in high school. So we had some time that we needed to continue to be focused on our family here. So we're paying attention to that. So this gave us a way to do, you know, kind of buy some time, but also get ourselves ready. Took a little longer than we thought, but we were good. It gave us a a blank slate to work with. So we ended up getting the engines that we wanted, you know, putting the the most up-to-date electronics in it. And, you know, we joke that we have a 1967-2021 Huckett's because it truly is a new boat. Uh, all new, you know, sanitation. So it was, it was an opportunity to to build our boat. Mm-hmm. And I guess that's the best answer I can give <laughs> other than we totally underestimated time and effort, but we got there. Yeah. That's a good, that's a good answer. I think. So you guys had already known that you wanted to do the loop well before you bought the Huggins. Yes. Yes. Cause that had a lot of criteria. You know, there's a bridge in, in Chicago that's 19 one that you have to get under so height of a boat was very important to us. Also living in mid central to South Florida, a lot of bridges are, are the 17, 18 feet. And you can save some time if you can lower and, and get under those. You don't have to wait for the bridges. So that was one of the things that kind of became a criteria is that we started searching for that boat. So it sounds like you guys have done a lot of work, obviously, start to finish. But, you know, to some degree that can even be a bit of a rarity because because people get boats refitted all the time, but it's not as common for people to be 
that hands-on, you know, and doing a lot of it themselves. And, and from what I recall from our last conversation, Keith, you did quite a lot of it. You know, can you kind of walk us through, you know, what you and Carrie did as part of part of this refit? I'll let Carrie start from the decommission. We had the pleasure of taking everything off the boat, um, everything from trash, food, whatever people left on board, to all the sanitation systems, to the wiring, old flooring, mattresses, everything, soft goods, you name it. It all had to come off. So we did all that. We scraped wallpaper, paint off the walls. We took insulation and ceilings down. We really took the boat down to the bare wood and then worked with the carpenters and the electricians and Cummins and other people to really kind of redesign putting it back together. But it helped us to be able to see the boat down at its bare state so that we could really think about where we were going to put things and how we wanted to put things back together. Obviously, there's some things that are going to go where they're going to go, but we were able to think about different um, layouts for where we wanted to put our seating or if we wanted to change anything with the galley in particular things like that, we were able to consider it. Um, we didn't do too many things like that, I would say, but it, you know, it gave us the opportunity to, to design some of those spaces and how we thought we'd use those spaces differently than they were for living aboard versus just some casual cruising. And adding to that is, um, I always say that I can do the the hard work, the, the dirty work. I always like to pay for expertise. Right. So we were able to decommission the boat uh, I was able then to go back in and do the, all the electrical, uh, and I can't say all of it. I had an electrician that I always said, is this ABYC standard? You know, we would talk about the design. I would get his input, and then I could go out and do the work and then have him come back and inspect it so that we were always building the boat back to the highest standard. But, um, yeah, I did uh, basically all the plumbing, all the sanitation uh, brought in the air conditioners, put all those in, which, you know, I have to say they were self-contained units. So it's not like I had to sweat copper or anything. It was electrical and, and drain hoses and, and supply hoses. We took little things like all the doorknobs, all the handles, um, hinges, things like that. We take them all home and soak them and clean them off and scour them down with steel wool and get all the old paint and corrosion off of them. So thing, it was amazing how the you know, the old products came back to life. And it was something that, you know, first I thought, oh, these will be replaceable, but you really, you didn't need to because so many of these things really were built to a different standard, if you will, and they're solid pieces. So that was a good, you know, it was a lot of work, but it was something we could just do over time, you know, while we were decommissioning things and then while things were being put back together. Well, and that was the challenge that we saw too is, there's the vintage boat. How much vintage can we keep yet modernize? So taking the hinges, taking the doorknobs and reconditioning those were important to us because that kept some of the old while we did the modernization of the air conditioning, the plumbing and all the other stuff. So there was that balance that we had to strike. And hopefully we we did that uh, from our perspective. We liked the outcome. But, uh, you know, it was, again, the challenges that you had because you didn't want to make it a new looking boat. We had to keep the character. Yeah. yeah. I think that's a good thing to maybe to share some details on for, for listeners, you know, Keith, what, what was it you feel like you were able to hold on to that, that was vintage from the boat? Well, one of the main things is, is we have no hydraulics on board. Our steering, 
our throttle and our gear uh, is all cable. It's all pulleys, uh, chain, a braided cable, and that we kept. Uh, I, I One after now running the boat, I'm very happy I did because it actually tracks very well. This boat tracks uh, pretty straight, uh, which is nice. Uh, you know, again, the, the pulls on the door handles, uh, the rail coming down the, from the helm down into the salon, we kept that woodwork. All the handrails uh, outside, all the handrails. we hand scraped them, resealed them all. The mast is all original. We've the, got really everything inside is original. We just stripped off all the old paint and the wallpaper and the laminate just, it wasn't very attractive. So that's so just kind of a, that doesn't really answer your questions, but a side note is, you know, we talked about the salon. We thought we had real wood under here and we thought we were going to have a, I'll call a nice woody boat, you know, in the salon, the smoking room uh, is what I referred to them as back then. They, they looked like that, but we got down and we sanded down one of the, the doors and we got excited and said, look at this beautiful wood underneath. I took a picture of it, sent it to the carpenter and said, look what we have. What kind of wood is it? He goes, I don't know. Bring it to me when we, when you come back up and we'll look at it. And uh, I came around the corner and I was probably 15 feet away from him. And he goes, oh, that's for Micah. <laughs> we went for Micah. Well, 1967, the whole salon was done in for Micah. But when you went back to the owner's manual that I showed you on that first video that you did, that's was the build. That's the way this build boat was built with Formica in, in a lot of places and, uh, you know, mahogany plywood. So it was kind of interesting to see that. And then we said, OK, what's our struggle of keeping that? And that's where we maybe took somewhat of a right turn. We painted our whole salon in, a, in an off white to give us a blank slate with the theory that we can come back and add the wood trim or wood elements as we see fit. Um, however, so far, we we actually don't think we may do any of that because we like what we have. It's a very clean, open, uh, uh, very bright. And that's probably one of the major comments that we get when people walk down. And they, 1967 boat, and you know, you can see their eyes kind of roll like, oh my God, what are we going into, right? And then they come downstairs and they go, wow, this is so bright. This is so, you know. Well, that's one of the things that attracts us about this boat as well is the window configuration we have within the salon. I mean, we really have, there's, it's so open and airy. And as I was talking to Cindy Purcell, you know, we're talking about the idea that you really can see the horizon on out of every part of this boat. So you really avoid the seasickness problems that people encounter when you can't see out. So we've got that ability inside, up on the helm area, in all the areas of the boat, be it the V-berth or the aft cabin. Large windows give us a, it feels like a living room. Right. On boat terms, it's a salon, but it feels like you're in your living room. Right. Mm-hmm. Great view. <laughs> Yeah, I guess to that, it definitely felt like a comfy living room. And even the carpet, right? You guys got like the soft, thick carpet in there. Right. Yeah. Right. Very inviting. Yep. Yeah. So so overall, like, how many hours would you estimate went into this before you guys could take it out and bring it to Ocean Reef? How, how long was that? Uh, we had our first sea trial within 18 months of, bought it in July of 2020, started the real decommissioning middle of August of 2020 and took it out on sea trials in the spring of 2022. So, you know, you can argue is 
14 months or it was 18 months, somewhere in that time frame, the boat was operational, but we didn't have all the, the window covering in, you know, the, the soft goods were not done. Uh, so those kind of things, but, um, time, wow. <laughs> okay. That's where we underestimated. A lot. <laughs> a lot. A lot. Um, uh, yeah, that's a tough one. 18 I mean, months, 18 months of, of, uh, a full year worth of work. Yeah. I, I, I mean, was probably up there every other week, at least for a four day, four times eight, 30 hours. I probably spent 30 hours every other week for a year and a half on the boat amount of time so yeah yeah and then there was the yard time that is not even calculated in there but you know it was a minimum of a person mostly two people working uh almost at full time on the boat as well yeah this is one thing i don't think i did ask you keith but what do you think or carrie what do you guys think the biggest challenge was about this whole thing working with a yard um managing the sequence of work too. yeah you know, we both come from a project management background, and so it was kind of challenging to lay out the sequence of activities and try to feel like you're working in somewhat of a logical sequence. But there's a lot of, you know, without kind of shooting all over the place, doing one thing for a while and then come back to another. And some of that's by design because something needed to dry or something needed to cure or whatever was being done. But we didn't have an appreciation probably or I know we didn't have an appreciation for carpenters, craftsmen, and mm-hmm. how they did a great job on this boat. And and that's a comment we get. People go, you had people that knew what they were doing and took pride in their work. And it takes time to block and fare a hull. That's <laughs> not something you just get up with an orbital sander and just start sanding away. You, you got to know what you're doing and you got to build it back correctly. And, you know, that was a four month. Four months just to paint the boat. You know. Really whole time because they had to add fiberglass to the outside where we didn't have it. it was, and um, you know, in the painting process, yeah. the um, we just didn't have an appreciation for that how long that took. And I think you, I've learned that there's boat time, and then there's everybody else's time. And boat time is is longer, um, whether it's waiting for wood, waiting for parts, waiting for things to cure. All that takes time, and uh, we underestimated. And I'd also say we, Keith um, and I would differ on that, but I, you know, we bought a lot of things in advance of actually needing them. And I thought, well, we're getting way ahead of ourselves. We got a lot of stuff stockpiled in a storage unit, that kind of thing. But in hindsight, that ended up being a huge advantage to us because COVID yeah. would have shut us down, and we would have not had this boat finished um probably would have doubled in price yeah and probably taken who knows how much longer because the supply chain we did see that and we had the stuff as carrie said in hand so a lot of it we were able to keep moving but uh it yeah it was a challenge Mm -hmm. you guys had bought in the boat just before uh the whole pandemic hit july 2020 so it was actually a pandemic boat uh what it was in march (laughs) um yeah that Yep. And I can't even tell you what I was thinking back then of going the pandemic. What will that do to us or won't do to us? It was more, we got a boat, let's start working on it. And uh, fortunately we were both retired. So I had the time to dedicate to it, which is important uh, because it was good to be up there to manage it. Uh, I do have to say in a footnote, Lambs did a great job with us and 
it worked out very well because Huckins was 100 yards away. So if we had questions and we had two individuals that used to work there, they worked on our boat during the refit. So it made a great relationship. How do you guys feel like doing this refit and, and having the Miramar, how has that affected your guys' marriage? <laughs> <laughs> well, there were some interesting discussions during the process. <laughs> we, are, we are very different people in our the way we work. Uh, so that gave us some challenges. Yeah. But um, Carrie likes to know and understand. So she dug very deep into a lot of things of why are you doing this? And my first reaction was, well, don't worry about that. You know, what color are the, is the couch going to be? You know, and that was unfair. But she knows more about this boat. In fact, as Vintage Weekend, people would ask questions and she would answer them. And they're like, holy buckets, you, you know a lot more about a boat than a lot of women. You know, there's don't get me wrong. There's women out there that know very well. But but she she learned the boat. She learned the detail of it. So um, was it stressful? Absolutely. Sometimes um, but I read a lot of I read a lot of articles before we when we had kind of already jumped in because we bought the boat with nothing in it and started what we're doing. And then I'm starting to read articles going, yeah, plan on tripling your time and your cost because overrun is going to be, you know, at least double. And I went, oh, I think we're in over our heads on this one. But, you know, when Keith was able to go up and work and he could manage some of it. So that helped. Um, and, and like he said, he had a great relationship with people and could take my concerns about, you know, how come we're not making progress here? Or why aren't we able to work, start working on this part? And, then they'd start to respond to that and we could we kind of kept the project moving if you will so that we didn't just fall into the dead zone for too long but jumping ahead when we were on the boat going to ocean reef and then going to key west for a month and coming back it was all worth it oh it's all worth it it is we've had a great time and it, you know what it's met up with our expectations and uh, in fact, we're kind of looking at now after being on the boat for over a month in Hilton Head when we went up in the fall and then taking it down south, we're looking at, okay, now what's version 2.0? And, you know, the beauty is you can start to look at the boat and say, oh, we could make this modification or that modification or let's change this. But overall, I feel like a lot of the things we planned out without even taking the boat out have really been good decisions. and. We've, you know, we know the areas where we want to try to improve her, but we're not not looking at anything going, oh, boy, what what a mess we made. You know, it, it's really turned out to be a positive experience overall. Mm-hmm. And, and from from what I can see, it's been your boat, your boat, honestly, your boat. It reminds me, I, I think, Mary, when I think your guys' boat, because from what I understand with Keith, too, there's a lot of compromise. Right. Like, you know, like, can you tell me about like how, how you guys decided what you won together. I know that, I know, for example, Carrie, you had a lot more impact on the, on the salon, right? So can you guys talk about that? Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you one of the funny things with the beginning, I said, you know, I wanted the boat to be as quiet as possible, which had to do with the running, you know, being able to have conversations with people and things like that. The Lamps people were so good. They took us around to a couple of different boats and started different types of engines. So we could kind of narrow in on what type of engine made, you know, the most sense for us based on what we wanted. And then we worked with the guys to come up with the sound deafening, things like that, that would help with that. Um, but then I worked a lot with people to start to look at the coloring that we both wanted. And, you know, we didn't we didn't fall into the traditional nautical theme that a lot of people think of on a boat. 
but we wanted um, very durable goods on the boat because we know they're going to get wet. There's going to be spills, you know, things like that. So we focused a lot with the, the Sumbrella products and then we went down the road and I would lay stuff out with Keith and kind of show him what I thought. And then we kind of talked through what made sense or what didn't. So it was all compromise. Yeah. And we had a good that was one of the good workings relationship is that she would say, I want this kind of stove or I want this kind of appliance or whatever. And then I would bounce that against uh, our infrastructure. You know, do we have the amperage? Do we have the voltage? You know, uh, can we space wise put it in there? And then that would be a back and forth. And I'd say, well, you can have this, but it needs to fit in a 24 by 20 space versus a 30 by 36. Right. So those were some of the things, but I think, um, we kind of had our spaces, you know, the, the electronics and the, the engines were mine. And then from there, uh, you know, Carrie had her interior things that we talk about. And like I said, we, I'd come home and we'd measure, we have a lot of photos you'll, you'll never see, but my hand going like this or a, a tape measure in an area with showing how big it is. Cause I would come home and translate what she saw online and how it would fit in the boat. And there's a lot of things you underestimate. Like you could think, oh, I'm going to go put a light, a reading light in the aft cabin. Well, you do that and you're going to be hitting your head on it every time you sit up or, you know, so you have to think about things like that. And obviously, if you go to a boat designer, they're going to think through all those things for you. So that's the kind of things we were stumbling through. And like he's saying, we'd sit around and go, he'd sit on a wall and take a picture of his head, you know, with his hand above it and go. So if we put the lamp right here, this is what it'll look like. I'm like, oh, okay. But those are all, you had to really work through that. And it was a little bit of a hunt and find game because finding a sink that fit in the galley correctly, finding a sink for the day head, you know, those types of things are, they were a little tricky too. I think, you know, to answer your question is between us, we didn't have a lot of compromises because we talked about it. We looked at it. The compromises, as Carrie just alluded to, was does the manufacturer make something that'll fit this area? Right. That became our compromise versus between us right or finding a brand that would or coming up with the you know and then we made decisions on things like we didn't want to carry extra fuel on board so we went with electric stove instead of a gas stove things like that so you're not we were trying to think through things like that of what would make it easier to travel as well and carrie did you was your mentality like you wanted it to kind of have like this homey living room feel on the inside because that really is exactly what it is mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. We did. We we figured if we're going to be on this boat for a month or two at a time, we want it to be comfortable, you know, and we want to be able to have people on for the cocktail cruise or the dinner cruise. And then we also want to be able to lay around and watch TV at night if we're just hanging out on the boat for an evening. Yeah, definitely. So tell me about the launch. You know, I, I know I know Keith had mentioned or no, I, you mentioned to me here when I first came on the boat that you guys had launched on Valentine's Day. Right. How, how was that? The boat, well, the boat originally launched on February 14th, 1967. And so we said on her 55th birthday, we had to take her out for a run. So we took the boat out. You know, she was not in tip top shape then. I don't even know if we had a seat at the helm, but we took her out anyway and had to take her out for a little spin to make sure that she was ready to go. And um, it was great to go out and a little nerve wracking at first, you know, you're in a bigger boat than usual, but Keith handled her beautifully. And I felt like we were going to be on a good path. So I was and and it was kind of neat because of the yard. I told him, I said, whatever we need to do, this boat will be on the water with Keith and Carrie on it 
February 14th. So they helped meet that objective as well. You know, we made sure we had whatever projects tied up so we could safely take it out and yep. uh, go for a run. Oh, wow. Anyway, I'll go, please, sorry, go ahead. What were you going to say? No, I was going to say we, we were pretty close at that point in time because we had That's running right. water. Yeah, we had all the facilities were done. Uh, electronics were in, mechanics were yeah. ready to go. So we were at that point in time doing a lot of the, the little stuff, the little detailed stuff to okay. finish her off. I was just going to ask, was that was that premeditated pretty far in advance? Like, hey, we want it done on February 14th? I would say by... We had asked for that to be done, but yeah. we knew some of the soft goods weren't finished up and there were some other little, you know, little things not done as well. But I would say three months before, I'd say in the yeah. November, December timeframe, we said, we're making this date. This is, we're going out. That was our target. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Was it romantic? <laughs> no, because we were still talking about some of the things that need to be done. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, that was like our second time out of the boat. We were a little nervous, to be honest. <laughs> still learning, you know, the creeks and crevices. And what was that sound? Yeah. What's that smell? What's that noise? It was, you know, it, there's it, a little bit of that still going on. I don't think we had champagne, but I think we had a bottle of water. <laughs> when we got back, we did. We're we're kind of like that at first. No drinking while we're underway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you guys had had fear in you. The fear we life. did yeah. a good fear, a yeah. healthy fear. Yes, yeah, that never hurts, right? Okay, nope. um, okay, well, that's that sounds awesome. So, I think, um, a good question, and I know I asked Keith this already, but for everybody here, is what's the plan from here? So, what's the plan for from right now moving forward? Well, we're plotting our next journey, we've yep. got a few repairs to make and some things we want to modify finish up here, eyes and glass in the back, little things. But our next plan is to try to get to Rhode Island for a wedding in August. Who's getting so married? Our goal is to plan up some friends of ours, their son uh-huh. getting married. So we're headed up that way. And we hope to be able to spend about two or three months getting up there and then enjoy another journey back and decide. We're trying to decide where we might want to leave the boat and stage it. Um, somewhere on the East Coast, maybe mid-coast, mid-Atlantic area for a start uh, to then go from there next time instead of bringing it all the way back to Florida. But you never know. We may decide to come all the way back to Florida. So, yeah, it could be as early as May. We'd probably be heading north, and uh, that's our next big trip, and then it goes from there. You guys have like a a checklist, all all these places you want to go to? Yeah, you're working on that? Well, I am. Yeah. I, I, I watch the, the Great Loop um, on Facebook and there's there's a lot of areas that they bring up. And one of them is the Great Lakes, uh, the, the Erie Canal. Uh, so I want a picture of us on the hook with the Statue of Liberty in the New York Bay, you know, uh, spend a night there. So, yes, they're absolutely. And then, you know, even on these short trips, we've met people who have, are either doing the loop or have done parts of it, not as a looper, but um They'll say, hey, you got to check this area out. So we're we're making a mental checklist and writing it down in our books going, OK, somebody talked about this. And then right. we'll start doing our research of, OK, what is there to do there? The marina's there, so on and so forth. Probably one of the best experiences we've had so far is just the people we've met, you know, along the way. And it's it's just amazing to talk to people and they encourage you. And it, it's just a great experience. Did, did we have the boat cards available? Did you get a boat card? Did you get our business card? You have yeah. yeah, did? Yeah. Well, so there's a case in point. Um, we were in Hilton Head. It was actually during the uh, Hurricane Ian. Yeah, and uh, right. 
we met several of the boaters there. We all talked about how we were going to secure the boats, yada, yada. And um, as we were leaving after all of this, uh, Joe uh, on his catamaran took pictures and we used one of the pictures that he took and we actually sent it to him and said, hey, you made our business card. Um, but that's that's the boating community, one helping each other and then the little things. Right. Know? Just uh, some great people. Yeah. Great people. Great, great. <laughs> I guess the question I'll leave you guys on is, is uh, what what's your favorite thing about about your boat? Well, having each other on it. Um, okay. That was cheesy. <laughs> um, I really feel like what we laid out to do has really happened. I mean, I really enjoy our spaces yeah. and the way the boat, you know, it's very comfortable, both when we have people upstairs while we're underway. Um, I enjoy being up there and sitting with people and visiting. And then it's an easy place to come and relax in the evenings. Um, you know, inside, if you need to get out of the elements, it's just, I found it to be comfortable like I had hoped it would be. Yep. Uh, I would take it from a performance perspective. The boat is doing exactly what people told me it was going to do. So it's um, a joy to drive, uh, easy handling. And then to echo what Carrie said is that I love coming down where we're talking to you from is our salon. And it just feels like I'm in my living room and I can watch football or I can sit and have a drink or I can, that's if I get the internet working, <laughs> but yeah, it's just, it, you know, we've, we, we can sleep now on board, you know, it, it, it's quiet. We've understand it. It's just met our expectations all the way around. And it's just, it's, it's fun. We're looking for the next, we are itching for the next time to get out and go. In yeah. fact, uh, the footnote, yeah. Another footnote is we actually got our first ocean, you know, to, to get her outside, getting to Ocean Reef for the vintage weekend, and then taking it down to Key West. And then coming back, we jumped outside and, you know, again, back to performance. She handled the way we thought she was. We feel comfortable in it. And, and that just makes it more more enjoyable. That's our confidence. Yep. It's great. You have to let me know, Keith, when you guys find out about the uh, the history of the boat. I remember I was talking and you said kind of a trip. You said there's people who who had been on your boat, who'd slept aboard it, that you knew that before you even knew they you even had the boat, right? Right. Yeah. Um, Peggy that, Sue probably has. And that's back to Peggy Sue up there in Lambs is she goes, oh, Tom and so-and-so on this boat. And, and you know, yeah, we did a lot of raft ups with them. And then I forget the other gentleman that I told you the story about. He goes, oh, yeah, I've slept in your boat. I was on the uh, top bunk in the V-Bird. <laughs> and I went, oh, OK. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, it's um well, and after I think you were on board, couple other things from Vintage Weekend that kind of was neat is, um, you know, Cindy Purcell, you know, is the granddaughter of, of the originator of Hawkins, uh, Primrose. And um, it was neat to hear her talk about it, as well as her two daughters were on board. And one of her daughters was up on the helm with me. And she started taking the steering wheel and, you know, looking at it and, and kind of going around it. And she turned around and looked at me and said, my grandfather hand spun this wheel. This wheel. I was like, "That's pretty cool." Yeah. You know, it's so that that made the vintage weekend and the coming out uh, and and having people that appreciate it and know it uh, more of the stories. Uh, back to your point of the stories that have coming out from people getting on our boat. Very cool. Yeah, that'd be it'll be nice to hear uh, hear more stories as they as they uh, unroll. I'm sure you'll keep learning things. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah.
Okay, well, thank you so much, Keith and Carrie, for your time. We look forward to, to hearing more about your guys' adventures and uh, in the days to come. So, hope thanks. you guys have a great day. Thanks for uh, thanks for meeting us. Thanks, thank you. Thank you for listening to the Power Motor Yacht Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please do us a favor and leave us a review or rating. Or you can share us with your friends on social media or on the VHF. Anywhere you spread the word means a lot to us. Thanks again, and until next time, we'll see you on the water. Devo